I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad you're here with us. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We did. We got to spend a lot of time with family and eat a lot of good food and uh, watch some bad football and just had a, had a good holiday overall. I want to talk with you about something that uh, happened a long time ago. You remember the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for a long, long time. And as slaves, they had to work and work and work and work and work. They had harsh slave masters, especially after Moses came back and uh, things just got tougher and tougher on Israel because of Moses and the th his, his dealings with Pharaoh and uh, talking to Pharaoh about letting the children of Israel go. And eventually, the ten plagues came, and the last of the plagues was the time when the death of the firstborn happened, and Pharaoh said, get out and get out now. And so they left, and Pharaoh changed his mind again. And here he came with the armies, and remember they were backed up to the Red Sea, and all the people go, oh Moses, you brought us out here to die. And Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he held this rod out, and the wind blew, and the, the Red Sea parted, and the people went through on dry land. And then the army came after them, and God closed up the waters and destroyed the Egyptian army. And they were free. What do you do when you're free? If you've been a slave and you've been working hard for years, what do you do? Well, in Exodus chapter 16, when they got free from the bondage finally and the Egyptian army was gone, God said, you know what? Tomorrow is going to be a holy day of rest. You've worked hard for a long time. You're going to have a day of rest. In fact, He called it a Sabbath, which meant rest. And then they go on to the mountain where God gives them the Ten Commandments and everyone's parked around the bottom of this mountain all camping and waiting for what's going to happen. And Moses goes up on the mountain and you remember they made the golden calf and you remember all of that. But when Moses comes down from the mountain, Moses has these tables of stone. Tables of stone. Now, I don't know how big they were, but I know they were pieces of rock that had the law of God, we call it the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, written on those ten tables of stone. The Bible says when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tables of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So Moses had been up there with God and he comes down and he's got these tables of stone and Moses doesn't realize that his face is glowing. It's shining. Now, you know, sometimes we talk about that, don't we? With, with if a woman's expecting, we say she just had a glow about her. Or yeah. This wasn't like that. I mean, this was shining and glowing so much so that it was frightening to people. Hard to look at. In fact, the Bible says, so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near to him. Can you imagine if we got to church this morning and Brother Eddie's face was just glowing and shining? 
I might say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> that would be weird. His face glowed. Why did it glow? Well, the Bible says that his face glowed because he was in the presence of God and he received this law of Moses that was a glorious law. There would never been anything like this in the history of the world. It was the founding of a nation upon God and His laws. And he brought that down. But his face glowed and it scared people. They were afraid of him. So the Bible tells us that when Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again. And so what happens is people are afraid of him. His face is glowing because of the glory of the law of God. And he puts this veil over his face. And when he talks to people, he wears this veil. Now when he goes in to talk to God, he takes the veil off. But when he talks to Aaron and all the other people around him, he wears this veil over his face. Do you know how long his face glowed? We don't have any idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know that the glow faded. It faded away and it didn't continue to glow forever. Now we're going to talk this morning about one of these Ten Commandments. And when he came down, he had these commands of God. And the one we're going to spend a little bit of time on this morning is that one. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Do you keep the Sabbath day holy? Do you remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Yancey told me about a video that he'd seen and asked me to watch it and see what I thought about it. And it was real well made video and it talked about Noah and it talked about Moses and, and a lot of things that happened back then. But the main piece of it was teaching that it is the law of God for you and I today to keep the Sabbath. And you know, there are many religious groups that keep the Sabbath or at least think they keep the Sabbath. There are religious groups such as the Seventh-day Adventist or the Seventh-day Baptist or Seventh-day groups, and they call themselves Seventh-day because they will worship on Saturday instead of on Sunday because the seventh day of the week was the Sabbath day that God talked about here. And so what we're going to talk about today is a couple of things. One, what is the Sabbath? Does God require you and I to keep the Sabbath? And along with that is the question, is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? Because when I talk about the Sabbath, a lot of times people in Christianity in America today go, oh, well, yeah, but Sunday's the Christian Sabbath. We worship on Sunday because that's the Christian Sabbath. The Jewish Sabbath was Saturday. The Christian Sabbath is Sunday. Is that true? What is the Sabbath? What was it? I want us to go back and look at this command of God here and uh, this description of it. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, 
and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, what he basically says here is this. Because God worked six days in the creation and rested on the seventh day, God commanded here in the book of Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, He said, I want you to keep the seventh day holy. It's holy. Now the word holy means set apart or separated. Okay, And He said, I want you to keep the seventh day holy. And on this seventh day, I don't want you to do any work. But not only you, I don't want you to let your kids work. Not only that, I don't want you to let your servants work. Not only that, I don't want you to let your animals work. No one is supposed to work on Saturday. Now, when I was growing up in Oklahoma and when I first moved down to Texas, they had what were called blue laws. Y'all know what the blue laws were? And everything was closed on Sunday just about. Very few places were open on Sunday because Christians don't work on Sunday because God says don't work on the Sabbath. And that was an accepted part of our culture. Now, it's not that way today, is it? But I want you to look with me at this idea of the Sabbath. And let's start with some basics. The word Sabbath means an intermission. Have you ever gone to a play and they have an intermission? They stop the play and everybody gets up and goes to the bathroom or gets something to drink and, and meanders around for a little while. They have an intermission. They stop the play. That's the idea behind Sabbath. The idea is you're working and you work all week long and then you get to Saturday and God said, stop, stop working. Don't go out and plow your fields today. Don't go bale hay today. Don't go feed the cows today. You stop working today. It's a separate day. It's holy, and the word holy means set apart. It's different from all the other days. It's the fourth commandment in the law of Moses. Now, there were the Ten Commands, and then there were 613 in total, I'm told. I've never counted them, but I've read that. There were lots and lots of laws in the Old Testament. This is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It was always on the seventh day of the week. It was never on a Sunday. The Sabbath was always on the seventh day of the week. Now, when you read through the Old Testament, they had special days that were also days of intermission or days of no work, days of feasting, and they called those holy convocations. Those were Sabbath days, and those could fall on other days of the week, like the first day of Passover and the last day of Passover. But the weekly Sabbath was always on Saturday. It began at sundown, what we would call Friday at sundown, and went till sundown on the day we call Saturday. It was a day of rest. There was no work except emergencies. Now God did allow for work. There was emergencies. If your ox got in the ditch and was going to die and you had to get the ox out of the ditch, you could do that. But it was only legitimate emergencies. And it's fascinating to see all the lengths that they had gone to to get away from the technicalities of an emergency. I've been told that... Uh, I was talking to a guy from Israel, and he said in very 
orthodox places over in Israel where people really still try to follow the laws of Moses in, in a large part. He said sometimes out in the fields you'll see these big boxes just sitting out in people's fields. And he said on Saturday, those boxes, if you'll sit and watch, they'll move. And then they'll move a little more, and then they'll move a little more. And it's people hiding in those boxes, working in their field, not wanting other people to see them. Now, surely God can see through a box, right? We would think that. But it was always supposed to be this special day of no work except for a genuine emergency. One other thing that was interesting to me that I hadn't thought about before, this was not a day of corporate worship. There's nowhere in the Bible that God commanded Israel on Saturdays to gather and have the Jewish church service. They didn't do that. That wasn't a part of it. In fact, it was the opposite of that. It's you don't go out of your house. You don't go anywhere. You just stay at home and rest on this day. It wasn't a day of congregational worship for the church. Okay, now, as I looked at this, Obviously, we don't worship on Saturday. This is Sunday and we're here on Sunday, right? There's a reason for that, okay? The Christians worship. The book of Mark tells us Jesus was raised on Sunday and so that became known as the Lord's Day and Christians worship on the Lord's Day on the first day of the week. But when you talk about this to someone who has, has a conviction that Christians should observe the Sabbath, they don't just go, oh no, you ought to do the Sabbath, but they've got reasons. And I want to talk about some of those. I told Yancey this morning, man, I could do a whole week-long gospel meeting on all the things related to this because there's a lot of information. But I want to look at a few of these reasons that are given. Number one, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Don't you keep the Ten Commandments? Don't we obey the Ten Commandments? If we obey the Ten Commandments, why would you leave one of them out? It's one of the commands of God, right? Number two, it's an everlasting covenant. The Bible calls it a perpetual covenant in the book of Exodus and in many other places. It is an everlasting perpetual covenant. Now what's that mean? It means it lasts forever, right? So it means you and I should do it today. Jesus kept the Sabbath. You call yourself a Christian, don't you want to be like Christ? Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath. Therefore, you and I should keep the Sabbath. And God made the seventh day holy at creation. He rested on the seventh day and then He hallowed or made holy this day that He rested. And these are standard arguments that you're going to hear about the Sabbath day. Now let me ask you when you look at those things. Well, do you think maybe we ought to keep the Sabbath? Do you think maybe that's possible? Now I'm going to tell you that when you hear some of these things, they can be pretty persuasive. Some of these arguments can when you look at them. And we don't have time to spend an hour and a half on each argument, which I wish we did, but we don't. In fact, I understand Eddie counted up how long this sermon was going to take me because of the number of the slides. We're not going to spend that long on it, but I want you to try to stay with me as we move quickly through these arguments. Number one, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Yes, it is. It's number four in the Ten Commandments. But one of the things that's important for you, and I suspect you understand this, 
is that we're not Jews. We're Christians. And the Ten Commandments was part of the law of Moses, not the law of Christ. When God gave the Ten Commandments, it was to a specific people at a specific time in a specific covenant, and that's different than the covenant that you and I have. The question that we should ask is not, is it part of the Ten Commandments? The question we should ask is, does Jesus or any of the apostles ever tell you and I that we need to keep the Sabbath? You know, there are many, many commands that were part of the law of God. There was a command in the Old Testament that if you wear a beard, you're supposed to cut it square. Okay? Now, as soon as I said that, Jeremy went. Because his beard didn't cut square. The command of God was cut your beard square. Is that something we have to do today? There's a command in the Bible that says, Go build an ark. You go build that ark and you make it this size, by this size, by this size. You cover it with pitch. Do we all need to be building arks? Well, obviously we don't. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you build an ark? God said build an ark. Didn't God say build an ark? Yes. Isn't it in your Bible? Yes. But you and I understand. He wasn't talking to us. He was talking to Noah when he said that. But there are things that God commands you and I. Interestingly, when you read through your New Testament, the commands that God gives you and I in the New Testament include nine out of those ten commandments. But there's one that's not included as a command for you and I to keep. Guess which one that is? It's the Sabbath. We'll talk more about that as we go. Well, what about it being a perpetual covenant? Here's a passage in Exodus 31. The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Now, this video that uh, Yancey asked me to watch and look at takes this passage and builds a real case around this particular passage. And the argument goes like this. It's a perpetual. Perpetual means lasting forever covenant. And this isn't the only time the perpetual or everlasting covenant is mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned other places in the Bible. For instance, it's mentioned in the book of Genesis. Look at this. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And the argument says this. See right here? It says this perpetual covenant was a sign between God and the children of Israel. See over here, Noah was talking about and preaching and understood the very same everlasting covenant that was a sign between God and all people on the earth. So you see, this covenant didn't just start with Moses. It started way back. We know Noah did it. Noah understood it. Noah talked about this everlasting covenant. Do you, do you see the argument? Does that make sense to you? So what about that? Is that true? You know, when you read a passage in the Bible, it's just like reading anything else. You have to pay attention to everything that's said in the passage. I want you to look at this. This covenant 
was made with the children of Israel. It was a perpetual covenant between God and who? The children of Israel. Look at this covenant. This is an everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Are those the same groups of people? No. Those aren't the same groups of people. Now, these people are included in these people, but these people are not included in these people. In fact, actually, when you look at the Bible, there are a bunch of covenants between God and people in the Bible. There's not just one or two covenants. There's a bunch of them. I want to show you an example of several of them. Okay, there was this covenant with Noah and it was all flesh. That's who was a part of this covenant. God and all flesh. And the sign was a rainbow. And God, interestingly, normally has a sign of every covenant that He establishes with mankind. The next one was a covenant with Abraham. You remember in Genesis chapter 12? He said, I will make a great nation out of you and I will bless the entire earth through your descendants and I'm going to give you a land. And You remember all of that. He told, so get up and leave and I'm going to tell you where to go. And Abraham did. And the members of that were going to be all families of the earth would be blessed through a descendant of Abraham. The sign of that covenant was circumcision. It's talked about there in Genesis 12. There's the covenant that God made, the covenant of Moses, that was specifically with the children of Israel. And the sign of that covenant was the Sabbath. Jews were the only people in the world who didn't work on Saturday. The only people in the world. That was a sign of the covenant that they had with God. And now, today, you and I are part of a covenant, the covenant of Christ, and it is with every creature. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go preach the gospel in all nations. He said, tell every creature the good news of Jesus Christ. And the sign of that covenant is baptism. Now, the fact that all of these are covenants of God, all covenants of God are perpetual throughout the generations that they are made for, But look at this. All flesh. Does all flesh still exist today as as a group of people? Have you ever seen a rainbow? Do you believe that's God's promise to not flood the world? It's His promise with you and with me to not ever flood the world again because that covenant was with all flesh. We'll talk more about the Abraham covenant in just a minute. The children of Israel though, the covenant of God with the children of Israel They were destroyed as a nation in AD 70. And when they as a nation were destroyed, the laws of Israel today are not the Old Testament law. There's a nation that calls themselves Israel today, but they don't have the same covenant. They don't have the same laws as they had back in this day because that nation ended. That nation came to an end. Now you and I today... Every creature in the world. You all know, Yancey and I have both been to Nigeria. We've got people go all over the world to preach the Gospel. And you know what we preach? Belief in baptism in Jesus. It's what we preach. Repentance in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Same thing, and that sign of baptism is carried out throughout all generations and all nations here on this earth. But what about the fact that Jesus kept the Sabbath? Did Jesus keep the Sabbath? You all think He did? 
Jesus said this, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now this is Jesus talking about the law of Moses, this covenant of Moses. And He said, guys, I didn't come to destroy that law. I came to fulfill it. I came to be a walking, living embodiment of everything that is in that law. Jesus Christ was that law in the flesh. And as a part of that law, He would have obeyed all of that law, including keeping the Sabbath holy. You know what Jesus did? He didn't work on Saturday. Now did Jesus go to Jewish church on Saturday? Well, sometimes they met in the, in the uh, synagogues, but some places He went they didn't have any synagogues. Jesus didn't work on Saturday. But, interestingly enough, let me show you this. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, this is every time the Sabbath is mentioned in the Gospels. That's the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? 37 times Jesus is accused of breaking the Sabbath day. 37 different times that it's mentioned. It's in a discussion of Jesus being accused of breaking the Sabbath. He would heal somebody on Saturday. He took a blind man and gave him his sight back on Saturday. There was a man who was lame one time and Jesus healed him and He said, pick up your bed and walk. Oh, that upset the Jews. That upset the Pharisees. You can't carry a bed on Saturday! You're not supposed to do any work! Remember? They were upset about it. 37 times Jesus that it's mentioned was Jesus being accused of breaking the Sabbath and the discussion around that. Six times we find Jesus in a synagogue teaching on the Sabbath where He would go in and He would sit down and He would teach. Six times it's mentioned. One time we find someone keeping the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? I assumed it was all through the Gospels before I started counting. Only one time do we find people mentioned as keeping the Sabbath in the Gospels, and that was Mary after Jesus was killed, and they were waiting to go to the grave where they went on Sunday morning when Jesus was raised. So she kept the Sabbath. It mentions that. Five times are casual mentions, and that is they waited until after the Sabbath day to do this or that. Okay? It wasn't a discussion specifically of them obeying it or any command. Do you know how many times the New Testament in the Gospels commands Christians to obey the Sabbath? Do you know how many times Jesus told people? Yes, you do because you've seen the chart. Zero. Not one time anywhere in the Gospels is it commanded for Christians to keep the Sabbath day. Now, what about the fact that God made the seventh day holy at creation? Did God do that? You know, we know that God worked six days and then He rested on the seventh day. 
And we read the passage where God told Israel, this is a sign of, of the covenant that I have with you. And because God worked six days and rested the seventh, He made that seventh day holy. When did He do that? Well, actually, the Bible doesn't tell us when He did that. The Bible never says when God made the seventh day holy. In fact, the first time the seventh day being a holy day is mentioned, look at this. Right here. You got, many of you have seen this chart before, the age of the fathers, the age of Moses, and the age of Christ, okay? In this period of time, from the beginning of time until the giving of the law of Moses here at Mount Sinai, do you all know how many times the Sabbath is mentioned? It's mentioned four times. And those are all in Exodus 16 after Israel comes out of Egypt and they're headed to the mountain and God says, I'm going to give you a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. And He heads right to the mountain and are given the Ten Commandments. That's all. You never read anything about Abraham keeping the Sabbath. You never read about Noah keeping the Sabbath or Adam or Seth or anyone else that lived back then. Shem. You never read anything about Shem keeping the Sabbath. Melchizedek. It's not mentioned anything about Melchizedek keeping the Sabbath. That's never mentioned. But during the law of Moses, during this period of time right here in the law of Moses, you know how many times it's mentioned? It's mentioned a bunch. 150 times during the time that the law of Moses was in effect. Okay? Over and over and over and over again there's discussion about the Sabbath during the law of Moses. After the law of Moses, after the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross, when the Bible tells us that the new covenant came in and the old covenant passed away, do you know how many times the Sabbath is mentioned? Well, the Sabbath is mentioned ten times in the New Testament. Ten times. I say in the New Testament after the crucifixion of Christ. And I want to look at those ten times briefly right here. Four of those times just tell us that Paul, when he went into a place, he went to the, Sabbath, to the synagogue on the Sabbath to teach the Jews about Jesus. Okay? Six times, or five times rather, are casual mentions of the Sabbath. They were, as we were traveling after the Sabbath day, they went here. Or one time, Paul, uh, Luke tells, you know, on the Sabbath day, these ladies went to the river to pray, and so we went down there and taught them, and Lydia was converted. Okay, just casual mentions of the Sabbath. One time, we find the Sabbath mentioned as a shadow of the truth that's in Christ. We're going to look at that passage a little closer in just a minute. That's the only time in the letters after the book of Acts that the Sabbath is mentioned. You know how many examples of Christians observing the Sabbath there are? Zero. You know how many commands for Christians to observe the Sabbath there are? Zero. None. Now, just being honest, if the Sabbath was really the focal point of what God wanted us to do, do you think maybe there'd be at least one command somewhere in the New Testament that we ought to do that? 
You say, well, but there were a whole bunch of them in the Old Testament. There were 150, you know, and it was part of the Ten Commandments. That's, all that's true. But you know, there were 150 mentions. I really wanted to go through every one of them, and I didn't, just didn't have time to go through every one of them uh, in my study. But I know this, I did count, and there were over 430 mentions of don't lie. And you say, keep the Sabbath. And those 430 mentions many times are commands not to lie. Very rarely is there a command, even in the Old Testament, to keep the Sabbath. It's mentioned that they did. They punished people for not doing it. But it's not dominant in the Bible. It's not this huge, overriding, massive thing in the Bible. It's just not. It's a piece of the Bible. It was a sign of the covenant of Moses with God. But that's all it was. And it's not commanded for you and I today. I want to look at a couple of things, reasons that I believe that it's not obligatory for Christians today. Number one, the law of Moses was fulfilled. Like Jesus said, none of it will pass till it's been fulfilled. It was fulfilled. Look here in Galatians 3. Paul says, Therefore the law, that's the law of Moses, that old covenant, that included what? The Ten Commandments. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under the tutor. You and I are not bound by the laws of the Old Testament. They were the laws of a different covenant for a specific people at a different time. You know, if I were to decide that I was upset at uh, Kyle, he's an attorney, I was upset at Kyle, and I was going to take him to court, and I was going to sue him. What if I went and dug through the history books and I found some laws that were written back by Spain when Texas was under the control of Spain? And I went to court and I said, you can clearly see according to the laws of Spain right here that, God, that Spain said this and Kyle didn't do it. Therefore, he owes me a bunch of money. Would that be effective? Would any judge or any jury accept that? Why not? Because that's not our law today. The laws of Spain are not the laws that apply to you and I today. And the laws of this tutor that was to bring us to Christ, they don't apply to us today because Christ has already come. He fulfilled that old law. He goes ahead and He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. His whole point here is this. We're not like the Israelites. We're not Jews. We're Christians. And all Jewish people who've come to Christ and all Gentile people who've come to Christ are one and we have a different covenant with God. It's not that covenant that says it's a sin to boil a calf in its mother's milk. That's not our covenant. It's not that covenant that says it's a sin to make your clothing out of mixed material. 
That's not our covenant. And it's not the covenant that says, keep the Sabbath day holy. That's not our covenant today. That has passed away. Look at this passage. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Now Paul goes back to the story we started the sermon with. Remember Moses' face glowing? And notice what he calls this. This is the ministry of death, but he says it was carved in letters on stone. What do you think he's talking about there? What part of the law of God was carved in letters on stone? Any idea? It was the Ten Commandments, wasn't it? That's the only part of the law of God that was carved in letters on stone, right? Notice what Paul calls it. He calls it the ministry of death. Now, this is where I told Yancey that I could preach about this a whole lot because Paul explains clearly in the book of Romans that all the law of Moses did was bring death because people couldn't obey it. It was an unfulfillable covenant. The people stood there and they proclaimed to God, yes, we will, we'll obey your laws and turned around and no, they didn't. They didn't obey the laws. They couldn't do it. It was the ministry of death. It just brought death. There was no real forgiveness because the blood of bulls and goats couldn't wash away sin. It took Jesus Christ. So he said if that ministry of death came with so much glory that Moses' face glowed so the people couldn't even look at him, he said, don't you think this new covenant has even more glory than the old? Look at this. He says, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, that's the covenant of Moses, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Wow, what's all that mean? What he says is this, that used to shine with lots of glory, but that faded away because there's something now that's so much more bright and more glorious than that. Have you ever looked at maybe the dash lights on your car while you're driving at night and they just seem so bright, right? But you go out in broad daylight and you can't even see the dash lights, even if they're on, right? Because they're not that bright compared to the sun. And that's Paul's illustration here. He says something like the law of Moses. It had so much glory people couldn't even look at it, but that glory is nothing compared to the covenant of Christ. The covenant of Christ is so much greater and so much more glorious. And he said, for if that, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. You see, the whole purpose, the whole design, God's plan forever was for that law to pass away, to be brought to an end. Since we have such hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. He said, we're bold. We're going to talk to you about this. He said, Moses hid the fact that the glory was fading away. He wore that veil and people couldn't see that every day his face wasn't glowing as much as it did the day before. He hid that. He said, we don't hide that today. We don't hide the glory of Christ. He said, for this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. 
because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And what he's saying is this. People who cannot see that the laws of Moses are no longer what bind us have a veil over their eyes. They can't see clearly because that has passed away. And now we have something that's greater, something that in Hebrews 8 he says is a better covenant of God. And then we have this passage, Christ, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to His cross. So He's talking about these handwritten requirements that were against us. Now that is the covenant of Moses, the law of Moses, including the Ten Commandments. And then He says this, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now, what he says is this, all these feasts, all these special days, including the Sabbath, he said these things were just a shadow. You know what a shadow is, right? A shadow, I don't know if y'all can see a shadow here of my hand on this table. Can y'all see that shadow a little bit? No, y'all can't do that. How about this? You see the shadow of my hand up there now? Okay. That shadow kind of looks like my hand, but that shadow is not my hand. This is my hand. The shadow is not my hand. And all of these things in the Old Testament, these feasts, these sacrifices, these holy days, all of that were not the real thing. Those were shadows. You know what the real thing is? The real thing's Jesus. The real thing is not the shadow. And he says, because Jesus nailed that old law to the cross... Don't be judged by that. Don't judge others by that. Don't judge by whether you eat certain things or you keep certain celebrations. All of that's not us. That's not about Christianity. That's about Judaism. That's about the old shadow. You and I are about Jesus Christ and our service to Him. So I conclude that the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant of Moses, not of the covenant of Jesus Christ. The covenant of Moses was fulfilled and done away with by Christ. Therefore, the church does not keep the Sabbath, but rather we rest in Christ where God's true rest is. You know, they ceased from their labors after six, five days they labored, or six days they labored, and the seventh day they rested. But then they had to start laboring again. And in the book of Hebrews, which I really wanted to go into Hebrews chapter 4 and we just don't have time for. But in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, you know, the rest that remains for you and I is the rest of entering heaven with God. Because once you get there, your labor is over. You're in Christ. You're with God. And that is our rest that the Sabbath day recommended or shadowed, pre-shadowed, looked like for you and I. So... Is it wrong to keep the Sabbath? What do you think? Romans 14, Paul talks about that. Paul said, One esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In Romans 14, he says this, You Jews, if you are weak enough, you've been converted to Christ, but if there are Jews in your church that are weak enough that they feel like they still need to keep those old laws, those old celebrations, that's okay. Let them do that. 
Don't try to get them to do something that violates their conscience. But if you're mature and grown up and spiritual enough that you understand that every day belongs to the Lord, not just Saturday. Every day is holy because of the Lord, not just Saturday. If you can understand that, if you can understand that food is just food, whether it was offered to an idol or not, it's just a piece of meat because the idol isn't real, then you don't need to celebrate that. He says this, you be fully convinced in your own mind. And I'll tell you that after this study, I am fully convinced in my own mind that the Sabbath was a part of the law of Moses, not the law of Christ. And it's not for you and I today. But is it wrong if you personally want to not work on Saturday? No. That's not wrong. That's not sinful. But it's also not sinful for people who choose to work on Saturday. I want to close with one final word of caution. Paul says this to the church at Galatia. He says, now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? He says, now that you've come to Christ, now that you've come away from that law of Moses, why would you turn and go back to it? Why would you go and grasp those old feasts and those old ways that they lived? Those old regulations and the law of Moses. Why would you do that? And then he says this, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Paul says, you know, you have such a draw. They called them Judaizers. And these were Christians who went around and tried to make other Christians act like Jews. And it was a real problem in the first century church. They were trying to bind circumcision and Sabbath and uh, the laws, the dietary laws and all the Old Testament regulations. And they were trying to make New Testament Christians live like Jews. And Paul says, you know, I'm concerned that I've wasted my time with you because you're going back and you're grabbing these holy days and these feasts and these special celebrations and stuff out of the old law. And one of the main things Paul teaches in the book of Galatians is this. The law of Moses is all or nothing. You can't just go get pieces of it you like and bring it into the new. It's all or nothing. And if you're going to be a Jew, go be a Jew. You don't have Christ and He does. He profits you nothing if you're going to go back and be a Jew. So if you're going to say we have to keep the Sabbath, you need to say we have to keep circumcision and we have to not have mixed cloth in our clothing and we have to cut our beard square and you have to do all the things in the old if you're going to say that's what we have to do. And if you're going to do that, you've walked away from Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of all that. So don't go do that. He said, if you go and you turn back to those old things, he said, I'm worried that I've wasted my time teaching you about Jesus. So, the summary of this as we leave is this. The Sabbath was a sign of the covenant of Moses specifically for the children of Israel. Moses' covenant was replaced by Christ's covenant. We are Christians, not Israelites. It is not more holy to keep the Sabbath because that was just a shadow of Christ. Do not turn to shadows when you have the real thing in Jesus Christ. And finally, do not be a Judaizer. 
I want to tell you there is a big draw for some people to want to do things that seem religious and seem holy. There's a real draw for that. And I, we ran into this when we began to homeschool. There are families that they feel like because they won't let their kids read Harry Potter, they're more holy than all the pagans around them that do. Or because they won't go trick-or-treating on Halloween, they're more holy than all those pagans that go trick-or-treating on Halloween. And, and there are people who, well, we dance, but we only do Jewish dance. And yeah, we diet, but we do Ezekiel bread diets and Bible bread diets and eat the way they did in the Old Testament and that makes us more holy and more righteous. And the truth is that stuff doesn't make you more holy. It doesn't make you more righteous. Keeping the laws of the law of Moses takes you away from Jesus. Jesus is the one we turn to. It's His covenant that saves us. And I want to encourage you, don't think you can be more holy and closer to God and more righteous by going and keeping the Passover feast or by celebrating some religious observance from the Old Testament because that's not for us. What's for us is to faithfully serve Jesus Christ, to be like Him, to worship Him, to tell people about Him. That's what makes us holy and right in the eyes of God. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've learned a little bit today about the Sabbath. And uh, if you have a spiritual need, obviously we want to offer an opportunity for you to bring that before the church if you'll come to the front while we stand and sing.